0: Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 229, recorded on February 23rd, 2022. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news.
1: We start with the next generation of the TrueNAS platform. TrueNAS Scale 2202 has been released. Unlike FreeNAS and TrueNAS 13, though, Scale is based
0: on Linux debian linux to be specific when ix systems announced that back in the summer of 2020 it's kind of a big deal right because they were really seen as a bsd shop and i remember them explaining some of the motivations and them mentioning kvm virtualization was in there, docker container support and kubernetes support those things were were all mentioned but it just seemed like wow what a radical idea but as time has gone on and the team has worked on this project it's just made more and more sense, and they've, they've hit their milestones now. It's great to see this release. You know, we certainly like the BSDs here at Linux
1: Action News, but there's no arguing that if you want to do more than just storage, you know, run some applications. Well, the industry kind of expects things like Docker and Kubernetes these days. And for scale, well, iX Systems had to put in some work to migrate all their old app capabilities that were using FreeBSD's jails. Over to their new Kubernetes infrastructure that's powered by their own version of Helm charts called TrueCharts. It's not all just taking of Linux goodies, though. They're pretty proud that they added NFS v4 Windows style ACLs to OpenZFS on Linux. By default, Linux only has sort of more limited POSIX ACLs, but if you're going to use this thing as a robust storage solution for primarily Windows hosts, as, as many do, well, you're
0: going to want fancy ACLs. That's actually really great. I have done crazy things like run Riser FS on top of SUSE to get ACL support. I ran Gen 2 for a while to get extended attribute support for Windows clients. Um, I moved mountains, Wes. I moved mountains. It's also noteworthy that uh, iX Systems is still keeping TrueNAS 13, which is based on FreeBSD. It's still in production and they still have it in their product lineup. In fact, They've they've got some terms to help customers pick uh, which TrueNAS is best for them. They have the TrueNAS 13 scale-up storage product, and now they have TrueNAS scale 2202, which they say is a scale-out hyper-converged product. I think one is build storage up and one is scale-out the actual application platform horizontally is how I read that. Yeah, with
1: scale, they're actually integrating the Gluster file system on top of OpenZFS to sort of let you do exactly that kind of scaling out, which we haven't really seen before in the TrueNAS product line.
0: All of this is a really compelling grouping of stuff, and so we are absolutely going to spend some time with this in-studio and uh, give it a full test on a future Linux Unplug. so keep an eye out for that. But I'm impressed, and... I can clearly see this addressing the scale part. I mean, TrueNAS is a, is a wide product range, but the scale aspect now based on Linux, I would really love to deploy this at previous clients of mine that have 20 to 200 people. They may maybe buy one small business server that runs at their operation and it's maybe their directory. It is their file server. This is less and less common these days, but there's still millions of them out there. Millions of them. And, now you could put something in there that's modern, it's easily supportable, it's easy to expand it, it can run all the different applications you need. And then also on the on the enthusiast side of the market, I could see this slowly eating away at the QNAP and Synology markets out there, at least on their high end, because the capabilities of this unit are going to be way more than the capabilities of those appliance units. And they've also just invested a ton in the UI which is available on some of their other products. So they've got, like, a lot of R&D going into all aspects of this. And um, as a Linux user, I'm really excited now that they have a Linux-based offering. I've been a I've been a FreeNAS fan before, but I ultimately migrated away because it was BSD-based, and my skill set is in Linux.
1: Although that might just mean you feel a little too confident about getting into that low-level system shell and messing things up.
0: Often, when we talk to developers building tools out in the real world or sometimes on the surface of Mars, they almost always tell us the same thing. They're actually running their gear that's based on Linux with the preempt RT real-time kernel patches. Well, the group behind that patch that has recently been acquired by Intel in a
1: statement on that acquisition, Intel said quote, "Lineutronics is comprised of a team of highly qualified and motivated employees with a wealth of experience and involvement in the ongoing development of Linux. Led by CEO Heinz Eiger and CTO Thomas Gleixner, Linutronics is the architect of Preempt RT and the leading technology provider for industrial Linux. Particularly noteworthy is that Gleixner has been the principal maintainer of the x86 architecture in the kernel all the way back since 2008. Intel went on to say that, quote, By acquiring Linutronics, we're deepening our longstanding relationship with a highly respected team of globally recognized Linux experts, adding to the remarkable breadth and depth of Intel's hardware and software talent. Linutronics will continue to operate as an independent business within our software division, led by Egger and Kleixner.
0: There's no way around it. This is a huge get for Intel and it's noteworthy that they're specifically calling out that it's going to remain an independent business unit within the software division. So it's a department inside a department that likely reports to a lead. But nonetheless, I think this is actually a good move. Intel has been a good steward of the kernel. There has been some rough patches. There has been a few issues, but that's pretty normal when you look at the scope and depth of what Intel's involved in. And they have participated with the kernel team for a long time. And It's also noteworthy that back in June of 2021, Steam was seeing some funding issues, right? And so it's conceivable that they got to a point where they needed to get some kind of acquisition. So it may mean that now they get paid to do this full time. uh, And this could be a a, a good benefit for them as well. So overall, uh, I can see a lot of positive upshot to this. And then I think the other thing that gives me some peace of mind is I don't see any kernel developers freaking out about it right now. They all seem pretty pleased.
1: No, hopefully, this just means more robust preempt RT support for a long time in the future.
0: Podman 4.0 came out this week, and the new version supports a new network stack while keeping compatibility with the old stack. So don't worry. It uses NetAvark, it's a Rust based network stack for containers. Now, don't worry if
1: you're not ready. Only new installs of Podman will be getting NetAvark by default. You'll still be using OCI networking if you previously. We're using podman another big focus for podman 4.0 was improving the podman experience on non-linux operating systems yes yes i know we try not to mention them but windows and mac os do exist support for podman on those platforms is enabled by podman machine which somewhat like how docker desktop does it basically creates and manages a virtual machine under the hood that actually runs all your containers now podman machine is not new in this release but it has seen some really nice improvements particularly that podman machine now automatically mounts the podman api socket to your host system so if you're using the regular docker cli or important for our use cases docker compose you can just point that at the podman socket forget about docker perhaps entirely another nice improvement is WSL2 support on Windows. This means that instead of creating a QEMU-based virtual machine, Podman can hook into the Windows subsystem for Linux directly and get all the nice features that Microsoft's been baking in there. Now, it's not all quite good news. One thing I was hoping to see in 4.0 was support for volume mounts from the host. I want my containers to be able to interact with the files I might have on my Mac or Windows desktop. We didn't get that with 4.0, but sounds like that's coming in version 4.1.
0: This week, the executive director of the GNOME Foundation gave us a heads up that his term is coming to an end. Neil McGovern has been there nearly five years, and he's decided the timing is right to step back from GNOME and start looking for its next leader. It's been an interesting five years, though. As a foundation, they've gone from a small team of just about three to now employing people to work on marketing, investment, technical frameworks, conference organization, and really a lot more. And of course, during this time, Gnome has become the default on many major Linux distributions. And something I've watched blossom while Neil has been the executive director is Flathub. You know, even if they just as a project just uh, helped them, um, you know, encourage them, it's been great to see this flourish. And now it gives developers a way to publish applications directly to their users and for users like me to discover applications on a daily basis. All powered by free software.
1: Of course, it hasn't all been fun and games. During his tenure, Neil also helped the foundation deal with patent suits, trademark disputes and bylaw changes. He also helped oversee the move of the entire GNOME development platform to GitLab, while at the same time seeing 10 new GNOME releases, the development of GTK4, and of course, a monumental release itself in GNOME 40. If you're curious to hear a little bit about his perspective, well, this here show did an interview with Neil back in Linux Action News 182, which we'll have linked in the show notes.
0: It's also noteworthy that GNOME 42 beta landed this week. This is a feature freeze release. This is a great one to help the team track down last-minute bugs. A lot of big core components have been ported to GTK 4. Dark theme support, like real dark theme support, has been added to several applications now. GNOME Shell and Mutter also see a lot of changes and improvements. What I'm saying is, big things have landed. It's definitely worth testing, and this is going to be a very special version of GNOME. Well, we've been following this next story for a little while, and it actually looks like the hardware side of all of the rumors is getting really close. So back in January of 2020, Google said it would bring Steam to Chromebooks, and now it seems like that plan is really starting to get close.
1: Yeah, it appears that HP, Lenovo, Acer, and Asus are going to be releasing some gaming-focused Chromebooks using Project Borealis which is Google's codename for bringing Steam support to Chrome OS. 9to5Google has been doing some excellent work sleuthing around in the code base, and according to a developer comment from January, Google now has firm timelines for when this stuff actually needs to ship, and we maybe have some requirements for what your Chromebook would need, which include an 11th-gen Intel Core i5 or i7, and a minimum of 7 gigs of RAM, which kind of eliminates all but those Chromebooks that are really in the upper, mid, or high-end range. Another interesting little tidbit about this is that NVIDIA appears to be directly involved with the development of Steam support on Chrome OS, with some of the code changes actually being developed and submitted by NVIDIA employees. I can't say I really understand what's going on, but it'll certainly be interesting to see how Google's plans for Chrome OS continue to play out.
0: Linode.com slash LAN. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible. And when you go to Linode.com slash LAN, you'll get $100 and 60-day credit on a new account. And you can go there to support the show. Linode is fast and reliable. Put simply, it's the only place we host user-facing content machines. Like our systems that are designed to serve you up stuff, anything we build, we put it up on Linode. And now that Linode has upgraded to NVMe storage, your systems can fly on there. I mean, you'll get performance like you've never seen before. You can get massive parallelism with NVMe drives. And so if you got a database, something that helps maybe like, I don't know, keep track of user information or backend stuff that has a lot of IOPS, you might want to look at that. In fact, Linode's support, which is excellent, can also help you work through these kinds of things. they got a range of systems that you can pick depending on what your needs are. And don't worry, it's all simple and easy to sort through. They've been doing this for 19 years, and they just keep getting better and better. And now they're powered by Akamai, so it's going to get taken to the next level. Go try it for yourself. It's real, it's here, and you can get $100 in credit while you support the show. Linode.com slash LAN. And a big thank you to Ting. .ting Linux.Ting.com. Go there and take $25 off. This is my cell phone provider. I've been a customer since 2013. It's just a simpler way to do mobile. Ting is an MVNO or a mobile virtual network operator. They run on top of the carrier networks. They interface with those awful duopolies and create a meta company that is great to work with, that is customer focused and has fantastic support. And I can say that because, again, I've been a customer since 2013 and their plans are simple. Go to Linux.Ting.com, review them. They got one that's going to work for everybody. Really, it's a great option for small businesses and family, too. Often I talk about the individual possibility to save, but if you've got like five or more lines, the savings could really add up with Ting. It's tremendous. And every plan gets access to Ting's award-winning customer service with nationwide LTE and 5G. And, of course, Ting just recently was named the number one carrier by Consumer Reports in 2021. So it's simple to switch to Ting, and there's no contracts ever. And pretty much any phone's going to work because of Ting's multi network support. So just go to linux.ting.com, check your current phone, create an account, and pick the plan that's right for you. Ting also sends you a SIM card, you pop that in your phone, and you're going to get activated in minutes. It happens so quick, you won't believe you weren't saving money earlier than this. <laughs> you can thank me later. Go to linux.ting.com.
1: We bring you back to reality just for a moment to tell you about a new Linux powered Virtual reality device. It's called the Simula One, and it's a full portable Linux computer built right into a VR headset. Powered by WL Roots and the open source Godot game engine, with Nix OS under the hood, and best of all, it's not made by Meta.
0: No, it is not. In fact, the team behind it has been working on this for about four years. And one of the things that really makes this headset stand out from all of the other VR headsets on the market, besides the fact that it has a Linux box strapped to it, is the super high resolution screen. 35.5 pixel per degree uh, with a real focus on making your VR terminals look good. Yeah, I'm talking your text terminal in VR because the team stresses they are focused on work and productivity, not gaming. Now, this thing also features an attachable computer, so you can actually take that Linux box off and then dock it on a desktop unit at some point in the future. And I have to say, it is actually kind of nice to see some Linux action in this VR space, because so far this has really been felt like it's been dominated by commercial players. Uh, Which, speaking of, I tried one this weekend uh, for the first time. So if I would have seen this news story last week, I would have been Mr. Skeptical Pants on here. Uh, I would have told you the price is outrageous. The idea is silly. I can just get monitors, all that kind of stuff. But I just happened to actually try a virtual work environment this weekend. And I have changed my tune a little bit. Having unlimited monitors at any size is like a utopia for me. Sitting here right now recording this, I have one, two, three, four, five physical Screens. And that's not even counting like meters and and stuff like that, spectrum analyzers. I'm just talking computer screens. And I mean, we definitely want a few more in the studio if we had anywhere to put them. I really would. And like when I'm recording shows with remote hosts, I'd love to do that in a virtual studio environment. And this is where it really started to click for me is when I realized at home, I have a tiny home, a very small space. It's not a private space to work. I can put on this VR headset and I'm in a gigantic. Studio log cabin, with a wood ceiling, panoramic windows that look down on a lake with fog, with rain that drips down those windows. And I've got a big blue couch, and I have got six ginormous, you know, hundred and ten-inch screens in front of me, running all kinds of stuff. And that's when I realized, man, I could take this virtual environment, and I could go to the studio, or I could, I could go to a hotel room, and I can put on this headset. And I am working right back in my infinite office. I can take my infinite office with me everywhere. But the missing piece was that it needed to connect to a computer. I had to bring a laptop with me, which just isn't super portable. I mean, you know, when I'm traveling, I'll just bring the laptop and that's good enough. But with Simula, they put the Linux box in the headset. That's the game changer. Having everything self-contained, not being tethered to a full computer, but having the headset itself be a full computer. That's a game changer when it comes to BR. Now, there's so much that's going to, it's like the smartphone, Wes. It's like you got to have an ecosystem. It can't really just be a single purpose device. So I'm still a bit skeptical here, but man, it looks like the team has really worked hard on a really good software hardware combination. Everything checks the boxes. I was looking at it. It's got an i7 under the hood. It's going to have 16 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, it'll have Intel XE graphics. So, you know, you're going to have a really good desktop Linux experience with this thing. But I fear, Wes, this is one of those things you got to try to really appreciate. And at this price point, I don't think enough people will be convinced on the premise to go all in. What do you think?
1: You know, I do share some of your concerns. Uh, A lot about VR right now has, has social aspects. And as you say, many are not convinced about the possibilities here. I can see what they're getting at, though. You know, longer term, we may have multiple VR systems. You might have one thing that, you know, your gaming setup, whereas you want uh, a slightly tweaked setup to to get your sysadmin or development job done during the day. But yeah, it's pricey. So it's probably worth pointing out that uh, you don't actually need this fancy new hardware if you don't want it. The uh, underlying window manager and operating stuff, I mean, it's all out in the open. And Simula, that That customized environment built on top of Godot? Well, it's officially compatible with Steam VR headsets like the Valve Index. There's experimental support for some OpenXR headsets. And while this being Linux, some enterprising hackers have gotten it kind of working with the Oculus Rift S. But that hardware does look really nice. And if you'd like to see these initial takes at Linux VR continue, you may want to consider supporting it. They're working on a Kickstarter, hoping to raise 2500000 million. We'll have a link in the show notes.
0: I mean, that's not an impossible goal. We'll see where it goes. But be it in the real world or the virtual world, if it involves Linux or open source, we are going to cover it right here. Go check out linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get new episodes every single week. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact if you can't find us in the metaverse. And don't miss the upcoming episode 447 of Linux Unplugged for additional coverage of TrueNAS. As for this show, well, we'll be back next week, of course, with our take on
1: the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us.
0: And that's all the news for this week.